Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's Sacred Space 102, a Comancy production here on West Limerick 102 FM. My name is Shane Ambrose, and we're delighted to welcome you to this morning's program, which is a special program, of course, because today, of course, we celebrate the national holiday and the feast of the National Apostle St. Patrick. And we welcome all our listeners, particularly those that are listening in from around the world today, particularly on our blog and podcasts. So we're joined this morning, John, by John Keeley, as always. Good morning, John. How are we doing? Good morning, Shane. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you keeping? I'm good. Yeah, that was a beautiful introduction. Thank you. <laughs> well, we try to do our small bit. It needs to be done. Yeah. Uh-huh. And also, we've got Anne joining us too this morning. <laughs> good morning, Anne. How are we keeping? Good. Thank you very much. So, John, we have our usual introduction and welcome to our listeners. We do. We thank indeed all the listeners who are joining us. Uh, just an apology right at the outset in case I forget about last week. Uh, we do send in the program that we record here in our Come and See studio here now. We do send it into West Limit 1 or 2 studios. For some reason, it wasn't uh, it wasn't played. I have no idea why not. Uh, it didn't go out last Sunday night either. So what we're going to do, because it was such an important program last week, Jessie Rogers joined us. Um, she's a scripture scholar. She she teaches in in Minuth, um scripture, and we said we'll play it again in the second part of the program today. So the programs are slightly different because it's St Patrick's Day. We had intended actually to to do much more around St Patrick, maybe in part two. But what we're going to do is after the saints and uh, saints um, this week and Anne's prayer before read uh, for the Holy Communion prayer. We're going to play a recording that we made back in 2013, six years ago. I spoke with Father Michal Liston in the studio in Newcastle West, West Limerick Studio, and actually was there. Uh, and Father, Father Michal gave us um, just a seven or eight minute reflection on St. Patrick's, a beautiful one. That's followed by um, a beautiful piece of music, The Deer's Cry. And then in part two, we'll come back and we'll play again uh, Jesse Rogers' um, Reflection with us on Lent last week. But in the meantime, again, as Shane said, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as people know, at this stage, it's go, this is due to go out. West Limit 1 or 2 local radio at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. next Sunday. Or this Sunday, sorry, today. And it's available for playback and download and come and see inspirations at buzzpread.com. And also on our blog, as Shane said before, sacredspace102 at blogspot.com. Uh, Shane, of course, is going to introduce some saints for us during the week. Uh, for what's might, what might be coming up during the week, I know it's Lent, not so much. Mm-hmm. Later on, Anne will give us a small little prayer there for those who can't receive Jesus this morning. Lorraine um, is joining us today. We couldn't do any catechesis this morning. And then, as I said, we'll go straight back into Father Liston's um, reflection on St. Patrick's. But in the meantime, Shane, what, what do you have for us today, please? So, John, this week on the liturgical calendar is actually quite interesting. Now, I suppose what I should say to our listeners, and particularly to those that join us online, is normally what we do is we follow the Irish liturgical calendar. Because I discovered during the week, St. Patrick causes an awful lot of consternation on the liturgical calendar. Because in Ireland, St. Patrick's Day is, of course, the 17th of March. That is today. And it is solemnity in the Irish calendar. But technically, John, today is the second Sunday of Lent. And under the rules, St. Patrick's Day should actually be celebrated tomorrow. 
because nothing is supposed to take precedence over the Sundays of Lent. However, in the 1970s, the Irish bishops went to Rome and said that was probably a bad idea. And could they have permission so that we keep it on the 17th, which we duly did. So this year, obviously, we're celebrating St. Patrick's Day on the 17th of March. Now, the way it works is that if you are, for example, Australia or Nigeria, where they celebrate St. Patrick's Day as a solemnity, uh, they're celebrating St. Patrick's Day tomorrow, which is the 18th of of March. And of course, it depends well across the United States, for example, where parishes and dioceses have St. Patrick as their patron. They'll celebrate it uh, liturgically tomorrow. But of course, the celebrations in the US have been going on for the last couple of days, as we've seen with the Taoiseach uh, visiting the Oval Office and so forth. But anyway, back to this week. So for those of us that are in Ireland, we're in on Monday, as of Monday, we're in the second week of Lent. It continues and we are praying the Psalter week two. The 18th of March in the Irish calendar this year is the feast day of St. Cyril of Jerusalem. Cyril was a bishop of Jerusalem and died in 386. He excelled as a catechist and an administrator and he is predominantly remembered suffering exile in his fight against the heresy of Arianism. Arianism was a heresy which denied the divinity of Christ. So it was a big deal in the early 300s in the church and actually even right up to around the 700s, 800s as well. Then, of course, on Tuesday, we have another big solemnity celebrated around the world. And it is the feast, the solemnity of St. Joseph, spouse of the Mary. A very important feast in lots of countries, actually. Uh, but of course, as well as that, uh, it's obviously celebrating St. Joseph, the companion to Mary throughout the Gospels. Um, I don't think we actually ever hear Jesus or Joseph speak. Uh, we hear about his dreams and the interpretations of the Father, of course, of Jesus. Um, but uh, he's, he's, he's the silent man in the Gospels. And he's, we, obviously, we celebrate two feast days for St. Joseph throughout the year. We celebrate one on the 19th of March, and the other celebrated St. Joseph the Worker on the 1st of May. Now, as well as that, Tuesday, the Feast of St. Joseph is also the anniversary of the inauguration of the Petrine Ministry of Pope Francis the, in Rome. When he, we had that special mass where he was inaugurated as the Pope. So then, um, uh, then on Wednesday, the 20th, we have the feast day of St. Cuthbert of Lindisfarne. So this is one of the saints of Lindisfarne. He was uh, orphaned at the early age, received a vision of St. Aidan entering heaven, and he became a monk, a Benedictine monk at the monastery of Melross, which was founded by St. Aidan, and he was prior of Melross somewhere in the British Isles, St. Cuthbert. The 21st is the feast day of St. Enda on the Irish calendar. St. Enda is associated with one of the three great late vocations of Ireland. Um, he made a small foundation in County Loud and studied under St. Ninian in Scotland and probably died around 520 AD. Friday is the 22nd. It is the feast day. Now, John, this is an interesting one. It's Blessed Clemens August von Gallen. And we'll come back to this man another time. He is a German. He was the German bishop, uh, Bishop of Munster. He's known as the Lion of Munster. Not Munster in Ireland. Munster. There's a there's a there's a thing in me probably over the U in German. And he was a, a, a loud and a vocal opponent of the Nazis during the Second World War. Uh, he was created a cardinal priest by Pope Pius the on the 22nd of March, 1946, of Natural Causes. I read a book about him actually a couple of months ago. It's a brilliant story. We might come back to it at the time. Finally, then, on Saturday, the 23rd of March, we have the feast day of St. Turibus of Mongrivadio, who died in 1606, a layman appointed Archbishop of Lima, 
like Philip II. Uh, he is known for combating abuses of the conquistadors in Peru and built up the church there. And I said, as I said, he died in 1606. So that's what we have, John, in terms of the liturgical calendar this week. Sorry for taking so long. No problem. Thank you very much, Neil, for Shane. Okay, um, at this stage now, and we'll pray the spiritual communion prayer. And this is especially for those who couldn't receive Jesus at Mass this morning. Thanks, then. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul since I now cannot receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Anne. So now we'll listen to Father Michal as he reflected with us there six years ago, actually, this date, on his thoughts on St. Patrick. So let's say this. My name is John Keeley, John the studio there by Anne Keeley and Father Michal Liston. Father Michal, uh, this is a very special day today, St. Patrick's Day, the 17th of March. What would you like to share with us this morning about St. Patrick? For me, St. Patrick is a person who, I suppose in a way, suffered a lot in his youth. Okay. And it was hurt, but both by his own and... Uh, being taken as a slave and yeah. in exile and mm. minding pigs and escaping and suffered a lot. Mm. And But in the middle of all of that, he became conscious that God was talking to him, that God was, the presence of God maybe is the best word. Okay. When he was in, in the mountains and the hills, he was pray. Yeah. And that the sense of the presence of God and the true prayer he could talk to God mm. and he could hear God. And I think that uh, sense, if any of us today, this morning here, and there's so much talk about uh, drinking St. Patrick's Day and uh, giving out about it or doing it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But if we could let that aside and just think of Patrick in his messing and his work and he discovering that the mysterious presence of God is here. Well, if he was on the mountainside with Patrick, minding pigs, he's with you now, driving a car, or at home, around at the, at the fire, or having mm-hmm. your breakfast, or wherever, in hospital. God is present here, and he's fond of you. He has time for you. He had time for Patrick, and Patrick talked about how he had walked away from God. Like mm. the prodigal son, he'd forgotten all about God. And maybe we sometimes are careless and lazy or whatever, whatever. And maybe we're practical people and we're busy or whatever, whatever. But now maybe we're sick. Now mm. maybe we have time in our hands. Well, God is here like he was for Patrick. I think that's one basic point for me mm. about St. Patrick. Then there is the extraordinary thing of when he felt the call to come back to Ireland where he had been abused. In some way, through the grace of God, he found the generosity of heart to come back and share the most precious thing in his life, in his experience, the presence of God, the goodness of God, the abundance of God's grace. And he came back and he poured that out year after year. And then when people responded, and he saw many men and women becoming Christians, becoming priests and monks and nuns, he just was so overwhelmed with thanking God. 
me, with all my mess and all my limitations, it is God who has, who has done this. Yeah. It is like Mary. He who is mighty has looked on the lowliness of her servant. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, I love that in St. Patrick's Day, that a human being uh, giving glory to God. And the glory is God's because Patrick himself knew he was he had messed up certain things. And he knew that a lot of the people among whom he was living, they were messers too. And today, all Christians aren't holy. All priests and all of us aren't holy. But that isn't the point. It is the affection of God for us. It is the abundance of his grace. And that if we can, uh, through goodness, through prayer, through humility, through sharing, allow that spirit of that came into part that Holy Spirit of self-giving and thanks to God and for others, we'll be really, I think, getting in touch with uh, the spirit of Patrick that has been in this island for a long time now and giving meaning and meaning to thousands of lives can give meaning to our lives too. Quietly, God is here and he has a heart for us, or a sheer, grow affection, uh, not because we are good. If we are sinners, like the prodigal son, the heart of the Father is to wrap us in the best robe and put a ring in our fingers and kill the calf. That affection, that's St. Patrick for me, who thanks God and couldn't stop pouring out thanks to God for what his grace had accomplished in his human life. A few times you mentioned there the presence of God. And for myself anyway, um, I, I, I can't help thinking of the wonderful gift that we in Ireland have been given this gift of handing the faith down from Patrick to ourselves. But the faith, I don't mean the faith, what I mean is this, this concept of the presence of God. It's oh, such a yeah, wonderful gift. Such a and we had the story of the burning bush there recently yeah, in yeah. one of our Sunday Masses. And uh, I remember the first time I heard it in Ben Og National School. Mm-hmm. Take off your feet for where you stand this, take off your shoes yeah. for where you stand this holy, holy ground. ground. Yeah. And uh, there's something uh, beautiful about the sense we were given of the presence in the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe we could have developed a better sense of the presence in the poor, the presence of of the, those who are hurt and who are abandoned. Mm. And maybe that's one of the things that the Pope is already calling us to, yeah. a sense of the presence of God in the poor, in the forgotten, the left aside, in the, the dignity of the unimportant. Yeah that here and in each other, in all of us, and in all creation, the presence of God. And it's not really epitomised in that wonderful piece of music that we'll play shortly, the deer's cry. Yes. I arise today. That's right. Through the strength of heaven, light of the sun, splendour of fire. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me. If we only just cop that on sometimes, that whenever I wake up in the morning... The reason why I wake up is because God is there to help me out. And then I can go through my day as best I can with the strength of God to pilot me. And that's the presence of God again, isn't it? It is. Amen. Amen. Every second. And, and, and it's an affectionate presence. And yeah. I, yes. And, uh, as we found out last week in the Gospel, and we'll find out today about the Gospel, 
this loving presence of God that just wants to, as you often say, he's still mad about us. And no matter I, where I we are. I the phrase sense too of, and I think it was in St. Peter's Square when the Pope was, was presented, a healing, joyful presence. Yeah. A joyful presence that is healing. Mm. And it is, in one sense, we are told that our world today is a secular world, nihilistic, materialistic. I was going to say blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if we can have the courage to see there is joy too, and there's a healing joy, if we will allow ourselves be anointed with that, the oil of that joy to be for our wounds. Beautiful. I think we might, we might leave the second part of the program, but I think um, maybe your parting words could be summed up in to allow this day to be an opportunity for us to reflect on the presence of God. Amen. We might just go out with a piece of music now, as promised. We might play this beautiful piece of music. Um, I'm tempted to say, the presence of the God, whoever presents you with your dinner today. <laughs> isn't that a lovely one to have as well, isn't it? We might go out in with this piece of music, and it's entitled The Deer's Cry, or St. Patrick's Best Plate, and it's sung by Angelina. Let's hear this. of earth, firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's eye to look before me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me. Me. 
So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, so I'll join in studio in the Come and See studio here in Adabai and Lorraine Shanes on the Skype line. And of course, we've got Dr. Jesse Rogers joining us this morning. And um, thank you very much, Nate, uh, Dr. Jesse, for coming to join us. And she, uh, Jesse said she's going to share with us some thoughts on Lent and so on and so forth. Maybe the first thing I might just pose to you, um, Jesse, and then go whatever you want to after that. Um, some people might be asking the question, those um, people who may be not too acquainted with, with the Catholic Church, maybe even, what's the purpose of the journey of Lent? What's the purpose of Lent? I, I like the way you asked that question. You said, what's the purpose of the journey of Lent? And I think, I mean, that's exactly what Lent is. It's a journey toward the mystery of Easter. And um, in Godly Play, which is the way I do um, scripture and liturgy, um, it's a program for scripture and liturgy with children. Um, when we talk about Lent, we, we talk about how important it is to get ready to come close to a mystery. And Lent really is a journey to help us get ready for Easter. So that when Easter arrives, it's not like um, it hits us out of the blue we haven't given it a moment's thought, and then it's over before the immense richness of what Easter is about can really, can really penetrate um, our hearts and our minds. And so really, Lent is just a long, slow journey of getting ready, of paying attention, of, um, I'm sure a lot of people who know something about Lent would connect it with penance, you know, people have this idea that Lent is uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a journey where you're, you're trying to get rid of things that get in the way of you being able to listen for and to meet Jesus, particularly at that magnificent time of Easter. So, yeah, so Lent's a journey, Lent's a time for um, getting ready. It's, um, I, I think it's a, it's a very good time to be... Um, to be thinking very carefully and praying about where we are in our lives and where we're going in our lives. Maybe if I can just tell you a little bit about my own discovery of Lent. Yes, please. Um, mm. Because I grew up in a tradition that didn't have Lent. Or we, I didn't even know what Lent was. Um, I grew up in South Africa in um, the Reformed tradition, and back then we didn't celebrate Lent at all. And I can remember um, Easter being something special, but I, as I was saying earlier, I just remember it, it would kind of come and go almost before you noticed it. And um, by the time I came to Ireland 11 years ago, obviously I'd heard of Lent and I, I would have known in theory about a little bit of the practices, 
but I can remember I was teaching at Mary Immaculate College and um, the first Ash Wednesday, I remember seeing somebody walking past, very immaculately dressed, and thinking, didn't they realize that they, they've got a smudge on their forehead? And then fortunately <laughs> not saying anything and seeing a couple of smudges on people's foreheads and thinking, oh my word, I think something important is happening here. And basically, I came to Lent, um, as I said at the beginning, being that clueless about what Lent was about, um, having somebody come around on, um, on Ash Wednesday, and um, I think I'd cooked, I'd cooked meat, you know. So for me, the, the idea of the, I think a lot of people know the rituals and they know the, um, what one does but don't really know kind of what, what lies behind it. Well, I came to Lent, as I say, completely clueless and had to learn at the same time what it is that we do, but also what the meaning of it is. And I think it's because I had to kind of work, work quite hard to, to make sense of Lent that um, I now find it such, um, such a rich season or a um, few weeks in the church year. Mm. Um, there's, there's something about that invitation that Lent gives us to slow down, to declutter. I know that's quite a, um, um, a fashionable thing to do, but I know in terms of like in terms of one's life, um, often there's it's kind of like there's very little space in our life for God, and I experience that even though on one level sort of most of my life seems to be about God. You know, I teach um, theology and scripture and I do a lot of that kind of thing. But one can become so busy and so cluttered that there's, there's, something, um, there's something very attractive about what Lent encourages us to do, to stop and think, what can we, how can we make space in our lives? What can we give up? That's kind of how I understand um, the the giving up piece of Lent. Um, not not a, it's 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 partly about you want to maybe develop new habits, but it's not about just choosing your favorite thing and saying I'm not going to eat that for six weeks. But it, it's yeah, it's kind of finding a way to to create space in one's life um, for God. So. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's in the past given up things like um, some aspect of social media. Mm. Um, you know, and it, it's, not, it's not just to give up something for the sake of it. It's just really to, 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 create, to create space in one's life so that as you come toward Easter, um, you, you're really preparing to meet God, to meet the Lord in a very, in a very special way. I don't know if that makes sense. It does, it does. And, and you that know, makes sense. I, I like what you mentioned there early on, Jesse, where you mentioned uh, right at the start, it's an ideal time to get to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I assume the way one can do it, one of the ways <clears throat> one, one can do that is if you've got a Mass, for instance, maybe daily Mass or, 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 or Sunday Mass, yeah. but uh, may, maybe pick up the Word of God, maybe get to, mm-hmm. to, to read a few passages, maybe listen into some little links or podcasts that might come on the radio. But but I like the idea about getting to know Jesus rather than just giving up something. So ways and means you think, uh, I mean, have you had, had any particular ideas yourself on, on how, how to get? 
well, my, um, my, I don't know, just want to call it intentions or whatever for, for Lent this year, as I say, that the one thing um, that I've committed to do um, is to pray the examine. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's a, um, just each day, um, I, I, I try around midday, but um, I'm not very good at remembering when exactly midday is, but set a, setting aside a time each day, just a short time, um, to stop, to just thank the Lord for, um, for his love. I kind of stop with that for a moment, and then the, the way I do it is I just say, for what am I most grateful today? Or what has made me feel the most alive? <coughs> and then something comes to mind, and I thank the Lord for it. And then I say, what today, for what today am I least grateful? Or otherwise, what today um, has made me feel like life was draining out of me? And then something comes to mind, and um, I just bring that to the Lord. It may be something that... Um, that I'm just sad about and then I just tell that to the Lord if it's something I feel bad about I might um, ask for forgiveness whatever it is but I just spend that few minutes just becoming aware of God's love um, noticing what I'm grateful for noticing what I'm not grateful for or what I'm sorry about or um, disappointed in just bringing it to the Lord and then just saying um, step it going forward Lord Um, help me to see what you want me to see and to do what you want me to do. And I find it's something I do off and on, um, but the reason I've decided to do this for Lent is because it really helps me to to make space for meeting the Lord in a way that's very practical, it's very, um, it's easy to do, and it really does make a difference to how I'm living kind of my everyday life. It's amazing the little things I notice. Um, if I can just maybe just give you one example, which um, fed into um, what I've decided for, for Lent is to stop um, kind of checking news headlines. I like to read The Guardian. But I notice when I kind of pray, and I said, Lord, for what am I not, you know, for what am I least grateful? What do I feel is sapping my life? And I realize that, you know, when I'm reading what the politicians in the world and Brexit and Trump and um, it's just I become discouraged, I become frustrated um, in a way that's not, it's not empowering me to change the world or to change anything. It's just making me frustrated and angry. And the little invitation is there during Lent. Why don't I give up those little habits like checking news headlines too often, that do nothing for me except send me into that space where I'm feeling discouraged, um, where if I'm going to react to somebody, it's probably going to be you know, a cynical comment about the state of the world. I'm not going to be bringing life and joy and hope to others. Um, yeah, I don't know if that kind of makes sense, but that's one of the things I've decided to do um, individually on my own for for Lent and then if I can something I'm um, 
Well, the, the first time we'll do it is, is tonight, so I'm not sure how it'll go. But what I'm planning to do um, with the family is um, this thing called Stories of God at Home. Again, it's linked to this way of doing um, scripture with children called Godly Play. But it's designed for each, each Sunday evening around the table, we'll just take um, a, I've got a, um, six, six images of the life of Jesus, and we just take a bit, um, a few lines to remind us of the story, and then around the table, we wonder about how our stories link with that story. Um, so, like, what we'll be doing um, this evening, this, the first Sunday evening of Mass, is just with the thing, you know, in the beginning, the baby was born, and um, the birth of Jesus, and then I'll just say, I wonder if anyone around this table was born, and it'll just open us up to start talking about what what I remember about the kids' births, what the stories that they remember, and it's just a way of linking faith and kind of our everyday family stories just in a way that's very 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 natural but i'm hoping that in that journey that i will be taking as a family in lent it'll just give us a way um to be to be bringing our faith and our everyday um and our stories as a family kind of all together into conversation so that's the kind of thing that i've decided that um that I'm um, committing to for, for Lent. Beautiful. What he reminds me of there again, the thought came to me that you're, you're really opening up the space and, and allowing God to come into that space. And that's maybe yeah. what we sometimes don't do so often, do we? We, we, we? we clutter the space with our own stuff. Yes, absolutely. And I, I love that image that you use of opening the space because I think even in Lent, we can take on, we can decide we're going to do things in Lent that actually might seem very um, disciplined and spiritual, but might actually be putting burdens on us that pull us away from having space for um, having space for for God and for others. Um, you know, I can imagine. You know, if, if we if we want to be very um, rigid about we're going to do this and not do that. I can, I can imagine it's easy to do that in a way that makes us quite self-absorbed. So we're either proud of ourselves that we haven't managed, you know, to eat anything decent, <laughs> or we're angry with ourselves for, for failing. But it's because we're not thinking about opening spaces for God. What we're doing is thinking about what we're doing and not doing. So ironically, sometimes trying to um, be very diligent about penance during Lent can, can make us quite self-absorbed, which I think is the opposite of the, the Lenten journey that we should be taking. And the other thought that came to my mind there was that experience of maybe opening up during Lent to God, to the Lord, in mm-hmm. whatever way it be, and your idea of the exam is beautiful, maybe that can also form part of our daily life from there on in. Yes, um, Lent, because there is something, it's a, it's a kind of a, it's a limited period of time, but it's actually long enough to create good habits. And I think that is actually one of the, one of the benefits and one of the gifts of, of Lent is that you, you kind of decide, okay, this is what I'll be doing um, during Lent. 
But by the time you've done it for six weeks, mm. if it's if it's something that is life giving, um, or you know, or something something that's enriching and some in a way that's helped you either to to, to meet with the Lord or it's helped you to be kind of more open um, and noticing others in your family, whatever whatever it is, you've been doing it long enough, if you've been more or less faithful at it, so that it can actually start becoming a habit. Um, I, I would hope that from one Lent to the next, it's not like we're kind of back at square one. Mm. You know, we're, we're building. Mm. We're constantly um, building on our journey. And I suppose, you know, maybe just one final thought too, that there are going to be times because we're human when, as you said, you might forget it's midday, your clock might be working correctly and, and you might forget that examiner prayer, but that's okay. I mean... Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That, that, that's what I was saying about the about Lent not being about us. You know, so if, if, if I forget something or if I, if I give in to my craving for chocolate or whatever... Um, I, I think anything that's going to kind of force, sort of make me look at myself, whether it's in pride or in beating myself up, and take my eyes off the Lord, that's not the right response. So yes, when you know we, we do it more or less well, and we thank the Lord for giving us the strength, and when we when we we break whatever our, our Lenten commitment was, is just get back on the saddle and you know just. And just gets, yeah. <laughs> and maybe a good way of doing that, you know, maybe just one final thought there is maybe ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. Rather Absolutely. Than, even, mm. even I would say in knowing what it is that we should be giving up or taking on or being open is, is actually, you know, ask, ask the Holy Spirit, you know, give me the, Give me the idea. Give me the, the, the little flash of inspiration. And then, of course, once you have that, to act on it um, and, and to take the step. Dr. Jesse, thank you so much for sharing those thoughts with us. Are you going to stay with us for the Gospel Reflection, please? Yep. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. So in the meantime, we're going for our second piece of music. And this one is entitled The Lenten Song, sung by Michael John Poria. So let's hear this. Will you walk the path? For these 40 days 
Welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined in the studio here by Anne and Shane as on the other end of the Skype line. So at this stage now, we might uh, go for a gospel reflection. And before we pray the gospel, there's a prayer before we read in a reflection on scripture. And Anne's going to share that with us now. Thanks, Anne. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed or our minds wander. But we may give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this order in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Anne. So now we'll go for the Gospel uh, for this Sunday. Now we're taking the Gospel for the second Sunday in Lent this morning. Now I know in Ireland we have another Gospel for for the Feast of St. Patrick, but we decided to take uh, the Gospel for today, the Gospel of the day, which is the reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke, in chapter, chapter 9 and verse 28 to 36. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the aspect of his face was suddenly changed, and his clothing became brilliant as lightning. Suddenly there were two men there talking to him. There were Moses and Elijah appearing in glory. And they were speaking of his passing, which he was to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were heavy with sleep, but they kept awake and saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And as these were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. So let's make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. As he spoke, a cloud came and covered them with shadow. And when they went into the cloud, the disciples were afraid. And a voice from the cloud And a voice came from the cloud, saying, This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. And after the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And the disciples kept silence, and at that time told no one what they'd seen. So that's the gospel for today. A beautiful gospel to reflect on, Shane, this morning.
Mm-hmm. As you said, John, what we've taken is we've taken the gospel for the second Sunday of Lent. Now, one of the reasons we did that is the gospel that's given for the feast day of for the solemnity of St. Patrick even was one we heard a couple of weeks ago, which is chapter five of Luke's gospel and is the calling of the disciples. So we decided to stick with this week's gospel because uh, the gospels for the second, third and fourth Sundays of Lent are prescribed gospels every year. They're the same ones that we hear. Uh, in the sense that they recount the same events. So we'll have the disfiguration, oh, sorry, the disfiguration. I mean, the transfiguration is the is this week's gospel. And of course, the transfiguration is a beautiful gospel from Luke. It is, of course, the account of going up what is called now, as we know, Mount Tabor, for that encounter with the divine. So the context to it is that Jesus and the disciples uh, in Luke's gospel are heading towards Jerusalem. And of course, we have uh, and heading towards Calvary and the mountain of Calvary. And of course, the whole thing about the encounter with the divine up mountains is very central to the story of Israel's relationship with Yahweh. So you have you know, Horeb, Sinai, the holy mountains, Moses taking up to get the Ten Commandments, Elijah encountering the Lord on Horeb, all, you know, and all that kind of symbolism is, is wrapped into this encounter where Jesus goes to meet, to 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 consult, if you like, with Moses and Elijah, symbolizing the law and the prophets. And then he gets the reaffirmation by his father that, he, you know, echoing the scene from the baptism where, you know, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. And I think, you know, there are many ways to encounter this gospel. We could look at it from the point of view of asking ourselves the question, as we journey through life, where are the Tabor moments for us? Where are the moments that we encounter the divine in our daily lives? Where are the gospel moments where we feel the presence of God? And do we actually acknowledge those moments? You know, there's a lot of talk at the moment, John, about mindfulness and awareness and all this kind of thing. And I suppose that's kind of one of the ways you could look at this, kind of looking at it from the point of view. And we, we spoke about the exam and the, the, that way of doing mental of prayer, which re, re, reviews the day that you've had and asking ourselves each day, where have we encountered God in the day today? You know, and it's, it, it's, you know, obviously it's not going to be something as dramatic as a theophany on Mount Tabor, but maybe it's a case of the person that we helped or the person that helped us. You know, this is, this is the season of Lent. We're talking about prayer, fasting and almsgiving. And reaching out and reconnecting with ourselves, with God and with our community and wider community. And it's asking ourselves, where are the divine moments in that kind of uh, three areas in terms of prayer, almsgiving and, 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 and fasting? You know, where, where, where are those moments where we encounter the divine? That's kind of one question that maybe we could reflect on this Sunday. And also the other side of it is, when we have those moments, when we identify those moments, do we thank God for them? Because often as not, when we turn to God, we turn to God when we have a problem. We turn to God from the depths of our despair or when we're lonely or when there's tragedy. But maybe those moments of peace and tranquility or those moments of openness to that feeling of being loved by God, maybe we need to kind of say, well, that's a good time. That's a positive time. That's something positive in our lives. And it's, you know, there's none of us that doesn't have those gospel moments. Another way of looking at it, I suppose, is putting ourselves in the shoes of the three lads. Uh, John, Peter, and is it James? 
and kind of asking ourselves the questions kind of like, well, you know, the way Peter kind of puts his foot in his mouth and, you know, you know, he only opens it to kind of change feet. And you're kind of going, well, what would I have done? Would I have done anything much better or much different, you know, in terms of reacting? Because what they were trying to do, they were trying to continue the experience that they were having. And one of the dangers that you have, you know, when you go on retreat and you have a wonderful retreat or you go on pilgrimage and it's a brilliant experience or, you know, something like that, suddenly you realize it's kind of hard to come back down off the mountain. It's very difficult to come back down from Tabor, back down to the humdrum realities that we face, you know, because we have to face into those realities. And you, you have to look at it from the point of view, Peter, James, and, and John, and Jesus were coming back down off Tabor. Jesus was the only one that knew what was ahead of them in terms of they were going to go up Calvary. You know, and the question we kind of have to say, like the others still, though, wanted to stay there because it was a good time. It was a good moment. It was a moment of bliss for them. But maybe we need to kind of ask ourselves, do we kind of get up and walk with Jesus onwards, kind of knowing what's coming in our lives, that we have the courage to be able to face into the challenges that we have in our lives. Maybe do we need to ask God for that courage so that someone says to us, you know, this is my son, the beloved, I with him, I'm well pleased, listen to him. Do we listen to what Jesus is saying to us that he, when he says onwards, you know, because it didn't stop at Tabor. The gospel story didn't stop at Tabor. It continued on to Calvary. But more importantly, it continued on to the empty tomb at Easter. And that, I think, is what we need to remember as well. When we look from the hill of Tabor to the hill of Calvary, it doesn't stop there because it continues on to that empty tomb. And while Jesus was facing into his passion, we also know, because we have his followers, that his passion just wasn't the end it continued into his resurrection, which is the hope that we share. And it is something that we need to rediscover the joy of that hope uh, as we journey through this Linton season. Thanks for that, Shane. Just the last few seconds that's left of the programme now, to, just to echo maybe one thing that Shane said there, which was listen to him. That's the thing that, stu- that stood out for me this week, listen to him. And just to quote again what Father Michal would have shared with us there this morning, but he shared with us, uh, Father Mihal has this lovely way of expressing it, but he says, the wonderful presence of God that Patrick felt. And Father Mihal reminded us that he's also present to us. Patrick listened and he talked to God, the same as we can talk to God, in our own place, maybe up the mountain. Up the mountain might be having a walk in the garden, it might be somewhere nice and quiet, but maybe get out there, listen to God. And a beautiful a beautiful expression that Father Mihal used right at the end of his reflection and he says, to experience the wonderful healing, joyful presence of God. What a wonderful thing to take away with us this week. Okay, time for us to go. Again, um, apologies about last week's programme, but hopefully you you got it. Uh, for those of you maybe out there in internet land, you got a chance to listen to Jesse Jackson again. Uh, I just forgot at, at the start of the programme just to let people know contact details if they wish. You can text us on 87 or you can email us, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. In the meantime, thanks again for joining us, and Shane, thanks again for your for your reflections. 
Thanks, John. And we'll see what we can do next week. In the meantime, Shane picked a beautiful piece of music to go out with. It's Christ Be Near uh, on either hand, and this is by the University of Notre Dame Folk Choir. So enjoy St. Patrick's Day, and please, God, we'll see you. We'll speak to you again next week. In the meantime, bye-bye now from Anna and myself for Shane. Bye-bye. Sloan.